0: Aperture Priority Show Number 17, Color Workflow Part 1.
1: Welcome to the Aperture Priority Podcast, an Avila Studios production where it's all about photography and fun. Now open up that aperture and let some creative light in.
0: Welcome back to show number 17 of Aperture Priority. Uh, Tony Avila here. And again with me today, Mr. Joe Engelbert. Well, greetings again. How have you been this week? Oh, good, good. I survived a uh, uh, Waking up at 1.30 in the morning uh, <laughs> and getting to Yosemite Valley for was it five thirty when we got there?
1: Uh, yes, I think it was. And yes. uh, yeah, it's an early morning. That's for sure. Dark and early on a whole day of everything, but I survived
0: that. Then had a survived Easter and uh, getting ready for the end of semester at uh, the College of the Sequoia. So mm-hmm. I, I'm in
1: survival mode and uh, coming okay, okay. You know, good. Good. Uh, and I've been traipsing up and down the hills, uh, looking at wildflowers, particularly. We have have another super bloom going on. We're just at the, the tail end of that right now and here in late April. I uh, went to Carrizo Plain and saw some beautiful images there, or acquired some beautiful images, and went up into the foothills chasing the Ever-popular puppies and all the different wildflowers. I'm a contributor to Cal Flora, which is an online database that uh, I contribute to. And so a lot of my images end up there. And I've had a good time learning and teaching people how to take pictures of wildflowers. Because it is challenging and you can create some really beautiful images. So I've had some fun with that lately. I have to add this. I am impressed with your eye, John's
0: eye, and I believe Ron Ludacrins. Uh, I, I, did I get his name right? Yeah. Ludicrin. You guys know how to find wildlife mm. that I, I've been passing by so many years. And uh, until we went out that day to uh, our famous Yokel Valley that we all like going to, I never saw the bald eagle out there until you guys pointed out. Mm. I would just look at that. Thinking, I always thought, no, they're just big hawks out here in this oh. part of California. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, well, the bald eagles are recovering from their near extinction, of, uh, and they are recovering and moving into the areas of the state that they formerly occupied. Right. And our little area of Tulare County is starting to see bald eagles, golden eagles as well. So those are exciting for us. And it was it was a challenge and a thrill to be able to photograph them this uh, spring. And also, Harry, you've been so lucky to find the bobcat.
0: Mm, yes. I've only seen three bobcats mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and they're usually, if you're lucky, you'll see them run off, turn around, look back at you. And before you could pull your camera out, they're gone.
1: Right. Uh, again, it's just knowing the critter. And uh, I was fortunate to get that last shot of a bobcat where it was stalking me. And it laid down in the in the shade and thought it was invisible. And I snuck up on him and got some really great images. Yes,
0: yes. And then uh, yesterday, uh, we got news uh, in the t- city I live
1: in, Tularia. We caught a mountain lion, you know, which was like, oh, great. Okay, so <laughs> Tularia is a city of around 65,000 people. Mm-hmm. It's probably, what, 15 miles from the nearest front, the, the hills there, or maybe 20 miles. I would say twenty miles. Yes, to the to the beginning of the mountains, which are the foothills, and then the mountains are another four or five miles. So that mountain lion had to come across twenty five miles of farmland and other little towns, and to get to where your backyard. So, yes, yes. I,
0: I <laughs> and and he was just laying in front of somebody's. Uh, uh front yard on on what's uh i can't remember it was on Los Pena i can't remember the other road a lot of people
1: go by there uh, it's amazing and, and they have I, the I, video of them running down the road and yeah. they're in in Tulare in central california well yeah. there are mountain lions in our mountains folks <laughs> yes they're
0: valley lions now I, evidently I wanted to get to today's show because it's going to be a a vast uh, series of uh, what we're going to call Color Workflow. Mm, Yes. And uh, Brandon, who I know, asked me once, is is it important to calibrate your monitor?
1: Well, the answer is only if you care. Yes. (laughs) Care about the final product. And yes, and I've been part of...
0: The very first time I ever calibrated a monitor, I'm going to go back to 1995. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And where I was working, we had gotten, I I was using a souped up Mac with a special video card. If I remember right, the video card that back then, it was a $3,000 video card with a special uh, monitor from the same company that was attached to a, a Mac Quadra, Quadra 900. I remember that, yes. And so, weekly, I would calibrate that monitor. And uh, we're going to get to the importance of why this is important to your workflow. But with today's monitors, I think it's it's even a little bit more important. Now, the old CRT tubes would, would age. So, you would have to keep up your calibration because at one time, You'd keep. You'd have to keep pumping up the brightness, and then one day you're like,
1: "Oh, that's it. it. it it's no more. It's no longer able to be bright enough." We well, you know this whole idea of calibrating your monitor really begs a bigger question, and that is, how do you maintain the accuracy or the fidelity, if you want to use a big word, of your color from the moment you press that shutter to the final destination of that image, whether it's online or hanging on your wall. And that's really where it starts, though, is that you have to and maybe we should define a few terms that we're going to use, because uh, if if you're shooting digitally, which I assume you are, you have a choice on the high end cameras of which color space you want to uh, acquire your images with. And the choices are Adobe 1998. Uh, and the other is a sRGB. So what what does that mean? Color space or the gamut? Uh, I'm going to use an analogy. When, when you walk into a paint store or you walk into a hardware store and you go to the paint department and you look at all those little shades of color on those little cards and there's just a bunch of them, right? So let's say Sherwin-Williams has a display there they have 10,000 color uh, shades of different colors. Uh, you know... As an aside, the next job I have, I wanna be able I want to be the guy at the factory that names those colors, by the way. I think that'd be a cool <laughs> job. <laughs> I don't where do they get those names, so, but going back, so if Sharon Williams over there has a big, huge display, and then behind it is is a, a little lesser known company, we'll call it uh Aubert. And and they have a smaller display. They only have eight thousand or so. Well, I've just described the gamut. In a, in a way this is the analogy is I'd have more choices of different shades or tones of that color if I went to Sherwin Williams in this analogy than if I went to the other brand and that's exactly the same concept of color space mm-hmm. it just gives you more uh, choice or it gives the camera the ability to define the color in a broader range. Of shades of color, so That's Adobe cool. 1998 has a bigger gamut. The color space, the color space is the is the type uh, or the, the defines by the gamut, the number of shades of color. So, we advise that you go with the highest number of choices. You go to the Sherwin Williams example, which would exactly. be Adobe 1998. Exactly. And in some cameras now,
0: I think most cameras, uh, when you go in to choose it, like when you first get your camera, you go, okay, I'm going to put it on RAW. And then it gives you all these options, like your bit depth, go to highest bit depth too. But when it gets to RGB, the two that are usually on there is sRGB. Then it'll say, most cameras just say Adobe color now. I would go Adobe color.
1: Right. Okay, shorthand for 1998, yeah, cause, right? Yeah,
0: because uh, this ran into the day uh, John found it on his Canon, and I thought, well, maybe that's just Canon. Then I went home to my D800. Oh, it's Adobe Color. Right. So maybe they just ab- abbreviated it. Uh, probably so. It's, it's the 1998 uh, Adobe profile. And so, coming from a printing background, we go to a small gamut because we're printing on a printing press that prints cmyk so back in the day this is how we would approach things we want to get the bigger piece of the pie that bigger color space even though we're going to clip it down to this but we want more of those shades available for available for
1: other uses
0: right instead of getting a smaller color space like srgb and then clipping that there's going to be people say I could get great color with the Adobe sRGB color space. Yes, yes, you can. You can get good color.
1: Using just the sRGB, sRGB, not the Adobe color. The smaller choice of of colors in the gamut.
0: You can. But I challenge people, go out and and Google uh, RGB color space or gamut, and it's going to come that little uh, thing of color it has all these triangles in it yes and to me it's like this why are you settling for less when now there are people who print in the adobe uh, 1998 gamut you're you're getting more of that pie you're getting that bigger space this sherman williams analogy right. more choices of these colors because I think in the beginning, and this is my opinion, and I used to go to all these trade shows, and I would ask people in the industry, why sRGB? And they would all say the same thing, blah, blah, blah. And then I would sit there and listen patiently, and i go, it's because it's safe. <laughs> yeah. And they would say, yeah. Yeah. And so, to me, coming from both print industry and working at a color of a photo lab, It's, I think it, they made it the sRGB color space safer because, you know, I used to work with two guys that were specialized, one in color and one in black and white. They both were specialized in getting the most out of everything, out of your big print and everything. And I think how it, what's happened, a lot of these guys have disappeared. Because the the traditional print photo lab is is gone, right? You still have professional labs and everything, but your local labs are almost gone now. You have your WalMarts, Costcos, and Walgreens, Walgreens and things was, like that, right?
1: Right. So I I look at it, get the bigger uh, color space. So what you're saying is that by using the bigger color space, the the bigger the space that has more colors or shades of color in it embedded in the the file that you create when you press the shutter allows you to, in the future, to use uh, all those colors with a printer that can print in all those colors. Yes. Not all printers can do that. Not all can. And in no. the past, especially, they the printers were sort of dumb in a way. They, they, they could not print the... Uh, all those colors, so they use a standard called the sRGB, RGB. which was sort of the lowest common denominator. Exactly. And it, it supposedly would work wherever you put it right. in. at least. This is the base, the lowest common denominator. All right, so that's the first step in workflow is understanding that you want to acquire your uh, image with your camera in Adobe Color or Adobe RGB 1998. Right because even though you bring
0: it into Lightroom and you're going to export it out to Photoshop, but you could export it out as a sRGB. But to me is, again, if a camera manufacturer is coming to me, use my camera A, because it's better than B because it captures more color, then fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get as much as I can, even though I'm going to go down to a smaller color space, at least I got
1: more to choose from. So right. the software should do a better job Okay, so let me throw a curveball at you. All right, so I go online and I Google color space and I see that nice little image or graph of the triangles and the color. And there's one called ProColor. Yes. And it's like huge, like, well, why wouldn't I use that one for everything? Why yes. not? Why not?
0: That's a very, 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 very good question. I did a test once. Yeah. And I brought in a, a thing, and I picked that color space,
1: right? and did all that. Well, yes, there's no one who can print it exactly. That's the answer, isn't it? Because you, yes. yeah, okay. But but okay, using the same rationale, though, I have it. Why wouldn't I use it? Use it because, uh, d- in d- my d- experience, I have yet to find anyone that can convert that color space to a usable. Print
0: to usable print. That's that's exactly because the only one who's using that, and and I'm not mistaken, in the new Apple iPhone and their uh, iPads, I can't remember they chose ProPhoto color color space, space. which can create a problem because you're looking at this. Of course, they got the higher res screens. You're looking at this. Well, who's going to print that out in that color space? I do not know. Anybody of yet, maybe, I think, perhaps white wall. I'll have to go back to the website and look that up. But is it a true representation of that? Right.
1: So it's the conversion from, which is an important thing to understand, is that whatever color space you choose, and we're only talking about two that, that are viable in general terms, is when you convert it from uh, one color space and you dumb it down by removing color, because you have to. You have, you to, have you to make it a smaller gamut that the conversion process between the pro photo and the others is not really uh, well done right now. Right. And I've experienced that myself.
0: And and we're going to talk about a test that I did. And so again, just get the biggest,
1: even though you're going to go down smaller. And again, this is as long as the biggest is, uh, printable. printable so yes that's the difference is that the Adobe 98 does have print shops that will print will in print Adobe in 1998 but we don't know of any right now that'll use the pro photo larger exactly. gamut. I,
0: I do not know of anybody that that will use that one as of now. And it's kind of weird because this all came to light. And I, I'm trying to think back because I, I used to have to stay on top of this because I worked for uh, Jostens Printing and Publishing in the art department. And I believe it was Photoshop 4 when it came out where they started putting all these different RGB color spaces in it. And I believe to today it's still true. If you were to download... Uh, photoshop for the first time and if you were to open it up and if you look at your what's the default color space it's sRGB, S- S- R-
1: the lowest common denominator
0: yes. and so uh, at jostens we would i would go and convert them all into adobe 1998 because we were working on a uh, print standard that we wanted the bigger color space and so I, at school, when I go over color, my students, they'll ask me, what does the S stands for? And I just tell them it stands for sucks. And they're like, well, <laughs> gee, that's that nice. And I'm like, well, uh, in this day and age, i figured I, I, and I know for the web, it is a SRGB uh, standard because of your web colors and all that thing. Because we know when we post a, a picture online, well, guess what? We're looking at a S-R-G-B. SRGB, right? And I'm just one of those, maybe I'm a rebel, I want more. I'm, I'm paying so much now, you know, for a camera, it's, it's 36 megapixel, 14-bit. So I'm capturing all this. It's like, why do I want to settle for less? Right. It's like,
1: yeah, it's, it's forcing your image to be downsized in the number of, and moving away from that beautiful color palette down to a, a one that doesn't have as many. Yeah. So step one change your cameras, color space to Adobe. Adobe. So now you're ready. You've taken all these beautiful money-making photographs and you want to put them on your computer and you stick them in there and you load them on your computer and now you're looking at them on a monitor. Step two of the workflow is what kind of monitor and is that monitor truly displaying the colors as intended? Yes. This is where I would
0: encourage people and i encourage my students same thing you know i i tell them i personally use the macintosh because out of the box it's pretty much set up to go can you do with the pc yes do not look at and again a lot of the monitors you go to best buy or some they're going to say this is a great gaming uh screen Yes, but be very careful. It's because it's got such a high brightness and contrast where everything looks good. That's not going to be an accurate representation. So I would encourage you, get the best monitor that you can afford. And I can't really suggest one now because they change. So quickly. So quickly. In the past, when Apple had its cinema displays, I would say if you could afford one, Use one because over the years, uh, and again, I, I come from the print industry, we would have one of those in our art department for pre press checks. Mm-hmm. There are other ones you could get. Dell makes high end ones that are good, but I can't name one because Dell changes them a lot. Right. But get the best one that you can
1: afford. You, you get in monitors, you really do get what you pay for. And if you're not spending, $800, $1000 on a monitor. Uh I mean, I'm not you could you can work in your workflow without that. I, I we're exactly. talking, you know, in a perfect world. In a perfect world, yes. Right.
0: And the reason we talked about it, it's the angle of view, the I, IPS. I IP,
1: yes, IPS is where you can view that image from any angle up, down, sideways and it remains uh true. Color true brightness. Yes, and the the those are really now the good news is monitors have improved dramatically mm-hmm. in twenty years. I mean, remember the old CRTs? Yes, where you, you had the big old fat thing sticking out yes. in your desk,
0: and that's why I have a bad back from picking them up.
1: <laughs> Do you remember the Hercules? Um, Hercules, I think was the name of it. The uh, graphics card that was a monochrome card, and it actually instead of having White and black, it actually had a shade of yellow in it. Do you remember that? I do vaguely remember, yes. Yes.
0: I I do vaguely remember. Uh,
1: That was like, wow, that's almost color. And then we had VGA. 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 Oh, now we're talking about it. Now we have uh, 4K. 4K. Uh, Oh, it just... We went
0: LCD. Now we have LED. Now right, it's QLED, right. OLED. I mean, it, it's no LED. Just go yes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, gasoline. Yeah. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: where where things happened, and this is when we went to flat screens, and this is what happened at the Jossens Art Department one year. We 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 all use Macintoshes, but at Jossens the PCs were all Dells, so we had a big account with Dell. So right. we would just. Get a great deal on these lead up uh, lead uh, <laughs> LCD monitors from right. from uh, uh, Dell, but they didn't buy the best of the best. Hmm. This presented a problem, so I'd I'd go in in the summertime. And I'd go in and replace all the old CRTs. We went from uh, twenty one inch uh, tube monitors to the seventeen inch uh, LCDs. Out of the box, yeah, they looked good, but there was one problem. They only had a uh, brightness that you could adjust. Mm -hmm. They were so bright, everything looked good and gorgeous. But a lot of the stuff we did, uh, sometimes we we had a desk person that would do watercolor. And so then we would get that and scan it in and, you know, put it in Photoshop, uh, clean it up and put it on the school cover. But the thing is, our scanners got so much better, so they would catch every imperfection of the the paper, so we could not see the imperfections on screen because the brightness was so high. I see. So then we would get a press destroy, and they're like, what's this weird color here? It's where the water paper paper buckled so uh we could not see that
1: on screen to clean up. So that happens today in the digital world is if you have too much contrast and your brightness is too bright, you won't see the sensor spots on your monitor. Exactly. And then you go to the, print them out and you get them back and you go, what, what where did that come from? You'll see the specs on your image. Especially in the sky. Yes, yeah,
0: especially on the sky. Right. And that's because your monitor, the brightness is set
1: so high, it will not display those tones. So ideally when you send your image off to be printed on paper. So we're going to talk about paper because people still do that. I, exactly. I hear I hear yes. <laughs> <laughs> So you get the print back from your a printer and you hold it up, you look at it, and you go, "Wow, that's not as bright as my monitor and and, and blah exactly. blah blah and blah blah blah. In fact the color is different and exactly. it's a very disappointing it's experience. It's let down, yes. Because you know, you have this beautiful image on your monitor, and then you look in this very flat, off-color, color cast, muddy print. Yes. How do we cure that?
0: Well, what I did at Jostens, because uh, it was before uh, we we got a either a Spider Pro or who had it was the color manager at he had it. So what I did. When everybody was gone during the summer, I used the Apple built-in one into the Mac, and I went to each monitor and adjusted. So you're calibrating your monitor. Yes. So now I brought that brightness down. Now that made a big difference. Now what drove me crazy, my coworkers would come back from their summer trips or the workshops, and they'd look, oh, gee, my thing's so dull boost up and the, boost up the, the brightness yeah, right. again. And so it was a little hard. So I had to go back and I had to tell them that's not a true representation. Right. It's actually this. And recently to show you, I updated, uh, uh I had the Apple cinema display. I had it for eight and a half years and it finally gave out. And so the day it gave out, it was like, Oh, I'm working on a job. And in our area, we don't have an Apple store. It's up in Fresno. So I'm not driving to Fresno. So I just drove to Costco, found a Samsung, brought it home. First thing I had to do, I had to calibrate it, turn down that brightness. Right. And I made that monitor work. Because I, I've experienced, I, I, I've not always had the $800 $1,000 plus monitors.
1: Nor, nor have I. And uh, I, ideally, that's the best world. But, you know, we, we, we also live in the real world, mm-hmm. and we have to make do with uh, where we spend our money. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And I made that Samsung Works, but recently my uh, nephew built me a gaming PC, and I have it hooked up next to my Mac, and I, I bought an HP monitor. It's a nice HP monitor on sale. It's right the, around the $300 level. So I had to make it work and I was surprised, uh, out of the box, you hook it up. Looks great. Looks mm-hmm. great. So I pulled out the color monkey, you know, right. which is, I think it's called the, uh, I remember, I can't remember who owns them now, but we'll get more into what, which color monitor, uh, display one to get to, uh, to, uh calibrate your monitor calibrated thing. I was surprised how how far con- the, the brightness I had to turn down. And I was like, this can't be right. So for example, you'll have your settings, uh, you know, zero to a hundred. Out of the box, the HP was set at 90. I had to turn it down all the way to three. And I was like, this can't be right. 3 That's how bright these new monitors are. And that's for, for gaming and entertainment. Yeah, because it makes everything look good but that's not going to be a correct representation. So I went in and profiled, and I was like, ugh. It's because, again, my eyes out of the box was so bright. So I went and I turned off that profile, went into my uh, control panel, into monitors, and calibrated using the
1: built-in Apple one. I got the same result. So what would have happened if you hadn't calibrated your monitor? You would have had an excessively bright monitor, which would have produced a very dark image, right? Exactly, because you're you're misrepresenting the, the the what the print looks like, right? Exactly. So if you're listening and you have a problem with dark prints, the first thing is you may have a too bright of a monitor. Is exactly. that right?
0: Exactly. Okay, and that will that will throw things off considerably,
1: right? So if you have muddy or dark images consistently. And you compare them to your monitor. Well, first thing you need to realize is that no print job will ever be as bright as that backlit monitor. Exactly. But if they're very different, then you, you're that's one clue that you need to calibrate your monitor. The second clue is if the colors are not being reproduced with uh, a high degree of fidelity or the same colors. Yes. The oranges should be orange. Mm-hmm. The 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 blue should be blue. I mean, they and you can look at the Look at the, um, one thing I've, I've noticed, and I think you would agree, is that it's where the color is gradually changing to another tone. Yes. That's where the, the real detail lies, like in a sky. and a sunset would be a great example of the various shades of red, yellow, orange. And you compare that, and you'll see that where that transition is happening, that's where the color shifts are the most obvious to the trained eye. Yes, uh, for the for someone just getting into this. Yes, and
0: and again, if when you when you plug in these new monitors, they may uh, they may come with software, and they put in all these pre uh, the
1: presets or whatever presets. you want to call them. Yeah,
0: and you may like, oh wow, I love that one. Looks better. Again, you you're more likely you're going to have to create your own for where you're working. What lighting, if you're by a window, you want to calibrate it and try to keep it, your workspace, as consistent as possible.
1: Now, consistent meaning the lighting in the, the, room, lighting in the room that you're sitting in. So, you know, I have a video photography background. And when we did video editing and ph- photo editing, we had a consistent light level. We measured it. We we didn't have fluorescent lights. We didn't have that horrible green tint. To the room. We used uh, daylight incandescent bulbs back in the day, uh, and we tried to get uh, a consistent color temperature in our room. All that means is that you, you do want to calibrate your monitor with something like a spider, which is what I use. And one of the things that uh, the spider calibration does is it measures the ambient temperature of your light, the the kind of light you use. The question I'll ask you: Hey, is this the kind of light you normally edit in? So, if not, make it the way you normally edit. Right. So, the to have what you see is what you get on your monitor to match your print. You have to take into consideration the color temperature. So, going back to the paint analogy. So, I'm in a I'm in a uh, Lowe's or Home Depot the other day, and in the paint department there. They had four different kinds of light. And you were to t- you take your paint sample, little chip there, and you stick it underneath the the incandescent light and you go, Oh, that really changed the color. I, th- I like that color till I put it under that or I moved over here to the fluorescent and nobody likes that one. And then <laughs> <laughs> right? and then you go over, it. well, the LEDs, you know, the new LEDs, those are actually pretty close to and then the quartz. That's a great experiment and a great way to, to visualize what we're talking about in terms of color in your uh, of the light that's in your room, yes. in their light fixtures. Because by taking that paint chip and sticking it under those four different kinds of color of light in the in the hardware store, you can visually see the effect it has on that paint chip. Imagine now your monitor. One day, your uh, you turn on all the lights and you have a yellow incandescent light and you have a white LED and then you have a why you would have this I don't know but you have a fluorescent tube above you you have you know you have a very odd mixture of colors that's going to change the way your colors look like on your monitor exactly. so you need to be aware that just develop a workflow where you have the lighting is basically the same every time you try to do any editing yes
0: even where we meet every Wednesday with our group, if we look above us, there's two lights. They're both different. There's mercury vapor,
1: that yeah. orange.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and that's very important because fluorescent lighting puts out this, it's actually greenish yuck color, which when at Joustins was telling the story about those Dells, the, the view angle was so bad on them you'd be looking at my coworkers call me over. It's like, Tony, look at my screen. Look when it comes, there's a pink tint to it. It's because it's thinking of the color spectrum, uh, the fluorescent lighting. We could never, uh, it would take an act of Congress to get, uh, us to get new daylight balanced, uh, lights.
1: Well the, well, the, the TH came out with the daylight and it was great.
0: Yes. Yeah, so what we would do, uh, is uh calibrate again the color for that you know get your monitor all calibrated and then i would tell my coworkers try to set your monitor where you're sitting mm-hmm. the best you can right and you're probably going to get a little bit of that but don't freak out then when i used to have my own office uh back in the day in downtown visalia what i did uh I had to calibrate because, again, I was under yucky fluorescent lights. I uh, talked to the landlord, and he got daylight balanced lights, mm-hmm. which made a difference. I needed only half the lights in those. Uh, they would fit in those fluorescent, what do you call, mm-hmm. fixtures? Yeah, yeah,
1: right. There was four in a, in a fixture. You only yeah. used two. Yeah, I see. Because people would
0: walk into my office and, like, Good Lord, is there light in here? <laughs> they they were like, why is it so bright? It's because they were balanced. You didn't have that dim, greenish yeah. to it.
1: Which really uh, does not lend itself to portrait photography, by the way. when you, I, I can't think of any skin tone that is enhanced by a green, green sheen. No, you can't. You can't. So, why this is, again, important is you need
0: to at least see the good representation of the color you actually captured. And and some of my friends will complain to me, and it's like, kill the messenger. I will tell them off. It's like, you set your PC up for gaming, yes. And I'm not changing that. Then you answered your own question.
1: Right. Either you have two monitors, yes.
0: or you live with what you get. Uh, right. What you got. Because you're going to have To change the profile. And you could switch back and forth between them, but I do not encourage that. And this is why I picked the Adobe 1998 color space and I work with it because I have a place that prints uh, with that uh, profile. Because doing stuff for pre press, I, I do not want to go into Photoshop and change back and forth. And I used to do this because you'll forget and I'll be working in the Adobe 1998 when I was setting a job that was going to be going to the local lab to be printed for a portrait. And I get back, the skin tones look like the, then I remembered, okay, a good thing I shot in raw. I have to go back and redo everything or try to tweak the profile when, when I change it. So I just simplified my, my, my workflow. I get the monitor uh, set to where I want. And to me, that's why people will ask me, Well, why do you get these tones? How come yours look different than mine? And it's, I, I tell them, Is your monitor calibrated? Well, no. Should
1: I do that? Yes. 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 Uh, buying a spider or whatever color monkey or whichever you choose to use yes. uh, is, a, is a great investment. Yes. I, I picked the top three that seem to
0: be uh, the popular. There's one, it's called the X-Rite. Mm-hmm. Display Pro, X-Rite I've used before, uh, the Spider Pro, I guess they're owned by Data Color now. Data Color right. Spider Pro 5. Jeez, I go back to the very first. Right. And then the other one, it's also X-Rite, it's mm-hmm. the Color Monkey. They, they have Display Pro and Color Monkey. I, I think Color Monkey used to be its own, but those three came up consistently mm-hmm. or if you're experienced like me, and if you want to just go into your control panel on your computer and calibrate it that way, you you can do
1: it that way too. I would caution you that, especially PC users, that you really need to know what you're doing before you do that, though. Yes, I would caution that. Where save
0: up. One hundred and fifty dollars between $150, one hundred and fifty, hundred and sixty, or borrow one from or somebody. Borrow one, yes, yeah.
1: I mean, you don't have to calibrate your monitor every week, like exactly. or a month, like we used to. Exactly. You know, you especially with the LED monitor, three or four, or five months, six months. If you really, you know, right. have to, but yeah. So it's it's
0: yeah right. ex- exactly. That would be the optimal setting. It's to have it calibrate because these things are so great. They calibrate the light in your room, they look at the light in your room and they set it to your, to your monitor. It's going to
1: take, uh, it's going to be one less headache in your workflow. They consider the graphics card that you're using, Mm -hmm. the monitor type you're using, the room color or the color of the light in your room. And they set that monitor so that it, that it is the best representation of the color gamut that you've chosen. I mean, uh, I, for continuing so this conversation of course lends itself to the next step which we'll get into in a future mm-hmm. podcast and that is preparing your 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 file for a print house yes yes and to show you what I used to
0: do with this color stuff on a Mac and a PC you could do it too and the Mac we would always have our screen tiled my background was one of the default ones that Apple used to put. It was just gray. And my coworkers would give me a bad time. Yeah, gray, you're a boring person. <laughs> they would have like a four scene or these other ones. There's a reason why I chose that I, neutral gray. I know the reason too. Because when you're adjusting color, there's nothing influencing exactly your your uh, your eyes. Right. That's why I'd be cautious because my nephew built me this cool PC for gaming. He says, oh, look at these RGB lights. And they change and change. And I'm trying to tell him, for gaming, yeah, this is cool. This is what you like. I really don't care. Yeah. The other thing, I want to try to see the difference between the two operating systems. Take the same file, same profile. But on the PC, I'm going to have them change that light because guess what? Those flashing, it's changing all these shades of color on the fly. And it's like for gamers and geeks, you love that. But if you're working on an image, you want to keep things kind of standardize. you don't want anything
1: influence what you're seeing on screen right so if you're playing a game and your your opponent has a garish neon green tint to their skin that that's cool but uh, if you're trying to sell that image to a, a portrait of, of a person yes. that you took they probably don't want to buy it yes
0: and the reason why this is important we were talking about this earlier is think of today's digital photography it's almost gone around full circle i'm going to use the ansel adams analogy he came up with the zone system so when he went out and photographed he had the zone system then he would go back into the dark room and he would produce his own prints if you look uh where maybe 30 years ago uh, photographers were using film or even slide film color film black and white You would go out, you would shoot, and you would look at your negative, and you would say, "Yeah, it's not too thin; it's got good density." And you'd say all this terminology. Then you would send it to a photo lab, and they would print. Well, nowadays you're the digital darkroom. You captured that image. Now you're taking it into Photoshop, the main editor, and you're going
1: to order one of these light. Your monitor needs to be a correct representation. Well, wait a minute. You're saying that Photoshop is really a digital darkroom? Yeah. So that's why they call it photo shop. Photoshop? Yes. Wow. wow. <laughs> and
0: now you're doing that. Right. So whether you like it or not, especially if you're going to go to printing, again, and this is the number one thing that I've talked to every local photographer and they brought it up to me is why their prints do not look like their monitor. The first thing I asked them. Do you calibrate? Do you calibrate? Right. Even when I asked the photo group, what, two or three weeks ago, I was surprised how many people put up their hand. And it's like, you need to be, or try to be in a consistent. Because if you edit on a laptop, you're probably going to be in different areas. You know. Yeah, uh,
1: that mobility sounds great. Right. But you have to consider that you're in a different color of light. Yes. When you're sitting in a coffee shop or your living room.
0: Yes. Yes. And we one of the, somebody said, well, you should be in a dark room. And I'm like, no, not necessarily. Uh, you you want to be somewhere where it's not going to adjust your eye. Because remember, when you're when you're at home and you're watching Game of Thrones, you want your room dark and you want to watch that screen with that beautiful contrast that's totally different than you're working on a, a photographic image. You need to be in the, as ideal as you can get it. There, you Unless you have your own office at home and you put perfect lighting and you have the walls painted this nice, beautiful, neutral color. Which mine are not,
1: yeah. as you point out, right? <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty, but this is my room, you know, the only one I got. It's because when I had my office People would say, "Don't you want to paint a
0: different color?" No, it's this eggshell gray white. I said, "It's perfect, perfect,
1: and the lighting is perfect, and and that's what I, that's it's, what I did. It doesn't influence the the color that is represented on the monitor. Is why it's perfect. Yes,
0: and again, this is something to take into consideration because now. You're the digital darkroom Mm -hmm. and you want your images to be as consistent when you send it off to be printed. So when you bring it back, you're like, yeah, this is very, this is acceptable. All right. I think it's a good place to, for part one, I know there's a lot of information there. Right. But I think where I see the people chimp the most is a monitor and they're like, calibrate? Yes, calibrate. Good advice. Okay. So, Joe, where can we find you?
1: Well, I have a website, brightangelimages.com, and uh, Facebook with the same, Bright Angel Images, and then Instagram, bright underscore images, and that's where you can find me.
0: Great. I'm still here at the website, at the Avelis Studios. You can find uh, the Aperture Priority Podcast on iTunes, aperture priority uh page uh podcast page on facebook I'm trying to think I've, i got so many things all over the place I'd, and then of course tony i 64 on instagram and i'm going to try to expand on more uh other platforms here in the near future and uh, i just want to leave off to everybody remember to open up that aperture and let some creative light in
1: Your Priority is an Avila Studios production. For more information on what Avila Studios has to offer, please visit us on the World Wide Web at avilastudios.com.